Hey everyone, just before you get into this podcast, I want to inform you that this is part two of the Ukraine and Russia conflict. If you haven't heard part one yet, we do encourage you to go back and listen there. This is just a continuation of that episode, seeing as the conflict is incredibly dense and complex, and we just wanted to make sure to get most of our perspective out there. So again, if you haven't heard part one, please go take a listen to that, and if you have, welcome to part two. For what Sean just explained as far as Putin's motivations. And if and if that is indeed his motivations, this is where my answer or what I or I guess lack thereof um, is a bit scary. Because someone who's passionate about what they believe in and they're so strengthened by their ideals and a narcissist to boot or someone who's stricken by a very big uh, ego, among other things... I don't see a realistic pathway that he decides to end this conflict uh, despite uh, obvious obstructions, obvious wrong assumptions as far as how quickly he could have done this or how effective his military um, was perceived to be, but now is very evident to the world that it's not that it's case. Not yeah, it's not what right. it was. Um, which, whether Putin wants to admit it or not, has probably created brand new issues for him that he would not have had uh, by uh, had he not started the war. And that's the sense that when this... Because inevitably, I do believe it will come to an end, but I can't paint a pathway in which that's uh, achieved with the knowledge that I have on the subject. And I definitely don't see it coming from one side. Uh, at least without a little bit of, or a lot, of outside interference. Whether that's right. just pressure, and maybe too much pressure, um, or, like, pretty strong threats um, from right. bigger players, uh, like, with us, or other, or, or even his allies, for example. Like, uh, realistically, at least for Putin to end things, I believe he would need encouragement through his strongest allies, us definitely not one of them, or and, and obviously we can't even use the term ally right now. You mean, you mean political right. or national? Political. Like, you mean like China, North Korea, political. or like his yes. own government? No, I, I have, See, it, me personally, I've given up on his own government. Yeah, but painted, because uh, while you were away, but given what you said about the man, I don't see him, like to me it strengthens the case that he will not end it he certainly won't end it by him, you know, by some well, him no, no, waking no. I, up, I some say, revelation. I say that he won't because if he were to be presented with the counter argument that basically what he's doing is wrong, I don't think he would view that from a point of, um, what's what's the word? Like how a friend would. Like yeah, but friend I don't think he. I don't think he would look at it from a criticism point. But I'm not he gonna would look at it from a point that that person has been influenced by the West. And yeah. is basically a saboteur. No, no, I, I, I get that, but that's not so necessarily the point I was trying to make. If you uh, look at the sanctions that are imposed now by America, mm -hmm. the UK, and many other countries, how obviously we we discussed early in this that this is no longer a, a world in which you can operate by yourself realistically and have a sustainable mm -hmm. economy. So, what happens when the people who are supporting him? allies and such, whether it's trade and commerce, uh, what happens when they eventually step in, or will they even step in and impose their own sanctions, people who are his allies? Because his government can't survive that. His economy absolutely can't. The ruble's already uh, damn near destroyed, uh, or at least at its lowest value point that it has been in uh, God knows how long. It actually <clears throat> bounced back. Oh, did, it, uh, did the ruble actually bounce back? Mm -hmm. Okay. They're selling so much oil to India because India is neutral, and they're selling so much oil to China that they are making Fucking up for dumb. it pretty heavily. So you're so basically so Sean, real quick, and I'll just toss this right at you. Um, so do you not see that's the only realistic pathway I see for Putin himself to want to actually put an end to the war, and that's pressure coming from his house. And when I say his house, I mean his allies in the form of more damage to his economy or or government or things along those lines because I just don't see him as an individual or selected advisors or officials. I don't see them making that decision to to, to put an end to it. 
Um, mm. Especially now, I feel well, like he's I, I feel like he's almost mine. committed enough or too much to where he's he already crossed that point that he's not mm -hmm. going to stop. Um, as far as Ukraine, I have five ending scenarios. Ukraine so has already. Like oh yeah. Well, yeah. It, well, and as far as Ukraine, and I'll and I'll and I'll just hand it off to you, Anthony. As far as Ukraine goes, I mean, Zelensky and other officials have already, over and over and over again, asked to come to the table to talk, route to peace, route to peace, route to end the conflict. Obviously, those uh, have not been heeded, and I don't see them. I don't see them accepting said offer. Uh, so I don't realistically, with the information that I have, again, surface level, I have to keep emphasizing that, I can't give you a scenario in which I see it ending anytime soon or something that would even be remotely realistic. But that's that's my view on it. Right. So the way I see it, well, like you said, you know, him being a very prideful person and, you know, being kind of stuck in his ways, Either if he does back down, I feel like it could possibly be temporary. Like it could be something that he does, you know, like, okay, let me back up. I'm going to tell them that I'm being, you know, that I'm about to be peaceful. But in reality, Smart. I'm about to yeah. recalculate my, yeah, my, the way I'm going to go about this and then try again. Mm -hmm. Or it, it could possibly end him losing his life. Yeah. You know, like he, with him being so headstrong and so prideful. It might take for someone, you know, in his house, like you were saying, to get him out of there. And it would, you know, like it would suck that somebody have to lose their life for something like that to happen. But at the same time, with as many lives have been lost, yeah, because of the cause, you know, it, you know. And then with as many people who don't necessarily agree with him, but are going along because because of fear. Somebody may take an attempt at him, and that those are two, you know. Extreme oh, he's definitely scenarios. had attempts. Yeah, so those are two extreme scenarios. But I feel like you know, if that were the case, you know, like on one end, Russia would still be around. On the other end, if Putin goes down, there's a potential for Russia to become a bunch of other small countries, you know, versus being one big country, or even just re Russia being basically redone as a whole. Their government. You know the way that they go about everything. I feel like you know, again, two very extreme situations. But that that those are kind of, I guess, those are the my scenarios I'm gonna throw out there. Far gotcha. as possible, I, yeah, and I, I think uh, after hearing you right there, I mean, that uh, definitely um, put something. That I I don't know why I didn't think of some of the extreme answers, as in like the the political head and being removed. Um, or something like that, but yeah, I could definitely see that. And you know, honestly, it's very clever. I'm glad you brought that up as far as him possibly retreating almost in the sense of re rallying uh, under a new and improved strategy based off obviously what has happened uh, in the year right. plus of the conflict. And that would be uh, a clever, um, definitely, and I would, I would assume expected or, or at least assumed um, by other nations like ours, you know, thinking, yeah, yeah, he backed off, but he's probably going to try something else a little bit later on. Sorry, guys. With much I'm more back. effectiveness. My computer said, you're not going to have a camera on anymore. Uh, yeah, I guess so, but it's good to see you again. Um, your auntie. Yes. I say, you trying <laughs> yeah, to circumvent the system. Yeah, I my little system. hack I did to be able to let o OBS run. <laughs> but, um, uh, but what about yeah. you, Sean? There, I see five major possibilities but to understand this you have to understand that autocrats and people of that mindset operate through power they operate through strength and the ability to coerce through force so that said putin cannot walk away from ukraine if he walks away with a loss mm-hmm because that shows that he's weak. Mm -hmm. Putin can't look weak. You're right. If Putin looks weak, the machine that is Russia, the machine that is the Kremlin and the government of that country, will eat him alive. He will be killed. He'll be thrown out of power. You know, it. It. it's like a he has to win, basically. Mm -hmm. So he might be able to save face if he can assume executive control over the Crimean region with no uh, resistance. That's possible. Uh, that's probably one of the 
least likely scenarios that Ukraine gives up Crimea, which they've already said they won't, and allow Russia to own the Crimean Peninsula, and then Russia takes that as a W. Uh, I think that's very unlikely. Uh, two is that Russia manages to somehow overpower Ukraine, which I think is unlikely, but uh, with the potential of Belarus uh, probably forcing their way into a assumed second offensive push by Russia. I suppose there's a possibility that they're so stretched thin and worn out from the year of war that their resources might be thin, and maybe a second push on Kiev to seize the capital could possibly occur. Still, I find that highly unlikely, but basically that ends with Russia seizing control of Ukraine. What the rest of the world will do if that happens, I don't know. Ukraine is not a NATO ally. I mean, they're not a NATO member, excuse me. They're a NATO ally, but they're not a member. Article 5 does not extend to NATO allies. How we play ball there, who knows? But... I can't imagine, like I said earlier, that we'd be interested in jumping into another 10-year war with Russia. Um, option three, Ukraine defeats Russia in Ukraine, and Putin is removed from power by people of his nation that are tired of this war and are tired of the failures and whoever takes his place chooses not to continue the war. That's part 3A. Part 3B is whoever takes Putin's place continues to choose the war until we have a natural conclusion. Option 4 is that the war escalates. Putin uses a tactical nuclear device on Ukrainian territory or... Uh, expands his conflict into regions like Moldova or tries to push in and take one of the smaller NATO territories that we may or may not go so heavily toe-to-toe, -to -toe, Article 5 on being Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, those three small mm -hmm. nations to the north of Poland. Um, a lot of people don't think that we will honor our every square inch commitment with those three nations. Um, I don't know if I'd think that we would or wouldn't. I don't think we're in a position to not, though. Mm -hmm. uh, with China and Taiwan being a thing and we want the world to take us seriously, we had a pretty embarrassing, like, nosebleed leaving Afghanistan. Yeah. Um, I don't think anybody questions our military capability. But that definitely was a blow to our reputation. How we left. Without any kind of concise victory, but... Fighting a fighting a a war of attrition, and fighting rebels rather than a unified, organized, government-backed army, is you're fighting an idea. Yeah. How do you kill an idea? There's a war on terrorism. Yeah, you have you have you can't you can't fight an idea, even if you kill everyone who has that idea. Anybody can just stumble across the idea or develop the thought on yeah. their own, and then you have a you have a, re a revitalization of that. So it's easy in hindsight. We, we did, in hindsight, how silly that looks. By the way, we it's had just... we had statistically the lowest military losses imaginable from deaths and even injuries in twenty years for that war. You know, like ISIS, Al Qaeda, the Taliban lost tens of thousands of fighters, if not a hundred thousand. I think the final killed in action report was less than 5,000 Americans. Yeah, I thought it was like four and a half or something along those lines. Yeah, like you're not, you can't argue that our military is still powerful. Now, diplomatically, was that a clusterfuck? Yeah. So we're going to have to probably step up and defend those three nations if they get attacked. Leading to a broadening of the war and probably what will turn into World War Three. That's a different topic. I don't know how World War III ends, but the direct Ukraine-Russia conflict ends there when NATO gets involved because it is now a world war. The mm -hmm. The majority of Europe and America are involved. It is no longer the Russia-Ukraine war. Yeah. It is now World War III. 
Mm-hmm. That is option four. Uh, like I said, option five is not that they take over Ukraine militaristically, but they successfully assassinate um, Zelensky without the person who's pushing to remove the corruption. They have the ability to install a puppet government. You know, they have to scramble to try to restructure and reorganize their government. Would we step in there? I don't know. I don't know how that ends either. But if the people who are at the top of the resistance for the country of Ukraine go down, then Russia is fighting a war against rebels that don't have a government anymore. And And basically Russia becomes the new America in the Middle East. That's the five scenarios I see this war ending on. Yeah, basically, and to just further add a little bit of that, you basically just mean an organized effort versus an an unorganized effort. Yeah, basically, you're you're fighting rebels at that yeah. point. Basically, the the remaining soldiers that are in Ukraine would probably become the likes of ISIS, where they're fighting, you know, Wolverine, no Red Dawn type shit. Mm-hmm. You know, just they're trying coming to out of random buildings, and you don't know where they're at. Yeah. There's no real intelligence on it. Yeah, just trying to disrupt the integration of the Russian-backed government, trying to disrupt further military advance into the region, things like that, but nothing. Nothing on mass scale organization, mm-hmm. probably. Yeah. So that said, I don't know how Ukraine can come away the victor because I don't see Russia losing, if that makes sense. And I think that's what has everybody on edge about this conflict is even if America right now stops fighting, Europe will not stop backing because this is in their backyard. Yeah. Just proximity. Yeah, yeah, just it's too close. You don't want somebody in your neighborhood just going hmm. crazy on all the neighbors because they might come after you next. That's right. Yeah, exactly. What do. Yeah, we so have a, we have we so yeah we have an ocean obviously separating us. End. Which that yeah, was the that's, same that's justification. Which by the way, again, I know I keep referencing World War II, but that was the same justification for how long why we stayed out for as long as we did was because we literally did have that distance between us, and because obviously the American um, civilian life, the popular opinion was to stay out. Uh, was to not get involved, and that obviously was much more like apparent, like how how that war was being fought, territory being taken, lives being lost, and it still took years for the U.S. to get involved. Mm-hmm. And again, a lot of that was done. Yeah. I mean, if you really think about yeah. it, it was the same way in World War One, and you know, we always like to say history repeats itself, but we're taking a long time to get involved here too. We are, and uh, does, it, does it escalate into World War Three, possibly? And let me—it's it, very—it's yeah. very possible. And let me take that moment again to emphasize to our listeners: um, it's this is not fear mongering, it's not war mongering. Uh, that's that's not the the purpose of this episode. We're just using the what we the information we have available to us to formulate the opinions uh, that we have, um, just to to just to further stress that. We're not... I also think at the beginning of this episode, we very, very heavily declared that we were all against war, or at least oh, yeah. what occurs during war. Yeah, yeah like, but just, the whole just purpose a... of this podcast is to communicate. Yeah, yeah just a health, yes, just a healthy reminder. I do believe that there are some times where it's inevitable, which is this what this case seems to be. And I feel like us giving money and equipment is probably the best way that we can support this without actually going, all right, we're just going to go in and clean, clean, clean house. house. Because I can yeah. almost guarantee you that if we took nukes off the table and you you ran NATO and the U.S. military through Ukraine, we would probably, just, just watching how unorganized and untrained the Russian military is, they would be decimated in days. They're getting washed. They're yeah. getting washed. Yeah, easy. Yeah, they're, they're, they're getting washed like a 73-0 to zero football game. Like it's <laughs> whatever the opening season is where they always play somebody three divisions below them or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like a little warm-up yeah. game. Or homecoming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this, and it was crazy is before this uh, situation, I remember a lot of people in America were you know, scared of Russia in the sense of like, you know, they were like, oh, if we ever get into it with China or Russia, mm-hmm. those would be the two big, you know, the ones we'd have to be scared of. And, you know, China, just because of their population alone, is, you know, you got to, you That's know, kind of be scared of that. Mm-hmm. But with Russia, it's seeming like, you know, the the urban 
legend of you know the the bad yeah one seventh of the population Russia. of the planet in yeah. China. Yeah, so it's like yeah. they could just send waves and waves and waves and still be fighting us for a long time. Yeah, a professor I had in college, I can't remember what brought up the conversation, but he was we were talking about war and the class I think it was I think it was an American government course that I was taking. Um but basically for whatever reason we got on the topic of if the US and and China for example had uh, had gone to war. Um he used the example of just this unrelenting wave of Military, essentially, and, and, and you know, and, and uh, China's favor. Um, but no, I mean, and we, uh, and because of the stuff that we touched on in this episode, I know, Sean, when you went away for a quick second, I had uh, uh, just based off everything you had said, it's crazy the perception that probably has changed uh, in Russia's military might um, mm-hmm. and strategic might uh, has changed. Said, so Russia, not even the so second Putin, best military in Ukraine right now. Yeah. And it's just uh, cre- that, that created issues that I'm I'm not sure that Putin or uh, the higher party had really given or, or really thought was going to occur. Of course, I feel like they were under the assumption that this would have not lasted that long uh, and they, it would have been a sweeping victory, which obviously it was not. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that said, were. let's talk about some conspiracy about the war you guys have heard. Oh, uh, yeah. This is going to be a two-part episode. I just looked at the timer. It it is. It's definitely a two-parter. I was a young boy because I honestly haven't heard too many conspiracies about it. My favorite uh... one was justifying Putin, which I have on the screen right now, that Putin was fighting the New World Order and the political elites in Ukraine. That has probably been one of the funniest ones that I've heard people try to spin to me. And, you know, again, let's tie this back to the fact that Russia, like us, are very good at disinformation and information warfare. So they understand the paranoia that American citizens have about our government. They understand how the far right thinks that everyone's the boogeyman and that, you know— any attempt to unify groups of people such as NATO or the UN is like an attempt at a world government. You know, you can, you can sit there and try to spin it to me all day. I'm not convinced you, you can sit there and try to have a world government, but we can't even have, look at, let's look at America. A city government can't even be on the same page as the state government, let alone national government. You want me to sit here and think there's going to be a world government, please. It, it doesn't work. There's too, there's too yeah, many people. You'd, yeah. have, you'd have to kill 90% of the planet for that to happen. Yeah. And then everybody's like, well, they're trying to depopulate. Let me tell you why they're not trying to depopulate the planet, okay? Because it takes people on the low-end working class to make your fancy-ass Ferrari or your fucking uh, luxury jet your politician flies around the planet on. It takes the regular bare-bones worker to grow the food to make the wheat and the lettuce to make your Big Mac. A farmer <laughs> has to make the cow that your your nice $90 T-bone steak dinner. Then you also have to have a lower class of people that don't make the same amount of money that are just making it day-to-day to serve you those things depopulation is probably one of the weirdest conspiracy theories I've ever heard in my life because when you realize every person who's in a position of power in this world, whether it be government, money, whatever, they're only trying to expand their influence and make more money. How do you expand your influence with less people? I can see it you from don't. that. How and do you make more money? You cut your money. If there's yeah, less money. money. You don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was about to say, and to and to entertain the idea that people who are in those positions uh, would seriously want that kind of huge change uh, and give up that standard of living that they've become accustomed to. No, I I don't see that. But I have heard of the depopulation theory, yeah. and I've heard the I've heard that of that theory associated with very powerful figures here. Um, like George, uh, uh, well, it's a, in particular Bill Gates. Interesting, interestingly enough, I hear that that theory associated with his name over and over again about yeah his his desire to have uh, severe depopulation. But 
I don't know. Yeah, it's I a mean, weird theory. Again, like you, it sounds plausible, but the more you think about how it would happen and what that would mean for the people depopulating things, it's like it kills motivation. Once you start to think it, it's like once you start to actually think about it, you start to realize how unrealistic it is. Like yeah. it makes for a great book, makes for a great movie. It's not life. If anything, the world population is rapidly increasing. We mm-hmm. should figure out how to stop the world population from rapidly increasing before we ever consider depopulation. Or the thing that's interesting to me is people are like, yeah, they're trying to depopulate the U.S. So we're not trying to depopulate India. We're not trying to depopulate China. Two countries mm-hmm. that on this planet possess almost a third, third. of the world's population. Really? They're literally are you sure throwing about that? away babies. Are you sure China? about that? Yeah. Are we really, yeah. Are we really think that we're starting here mm-hmm. for depopulation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we no, still have land untouched. They, they we still have unused land here. Yeah, we yeah. still have the ability to build golf courses. They're they're fucking burying people vertically in China. That's I don't nuts. even know if you can have burials in certain parts of China anymore. I think you have to be cremated because they just don't have, have room the to space. Do. Yeah, yeah. So you're That's sitting wild. there and trying to sell me on these things, and I understand what gets people wrapped up in these things. There is a lot of evil in this world. There's a lot of bad people. There's probably people that believe that the world needs to be depopulated. Oh, I have no doubt. Making it happen and thinking it are not the same. And, you know, there's also the 2030 conspiracy where you'll own nothing, you'll have nothing, and you'll be happy. That's another thing that I don't necessarily buy into. It all started to kind of roll around here around the time Trump came into office whenever uh, Russia was really trying to interfere uh, in the information space, um, basically, it kind of also ties into the whole New World Order thing, which is, I'm heavily convinced, is Russian propaganda that they're just trying to use to destabilize. Because, you, you know, they're going to try to make a why, new do you, world why order. do you have to fight a war with somebody if they're fighting themselves? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think they're more interested in control of everybody than we are. Yeah. 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 Well, that's that's how autocrats. Like I said, that's how that's how you gain power by mm-hmm. controlling, yeah. by making people fear. But you don't you don't make people respect you. You make people fear you. They you you build a reliance on you rather than an independence from you. Yeah, absolutely. Which is why I have a hard time believing that the new world order is comprised of the democratic countries and not the autocratic countries, which is the other arguing point is that the New World Order is run by people who have made billions of dollars in the capitalist society. So suddenly they just want to shake up how they made their millions and how yeah. they got their lifestyle. Yeah, I was supposed to say, I mean, uh, people, services, products, what have you, I mean, that's what fuels the, the system for them to be in the position that they're currently in and will yeah. obviously, like, assumingly want to stay in for And the other ever. interesting thing about it is, is that when you have that much money, you're already in control of everything. Yeah. Like, how could you want more power as one of the richest men on the planet? You could literally throw money at any problem. That, yeah. When, you get, <laughs> when they say money doesn't buy happiness, they didn't. They don't take into account the top one percent. Like, money buys happiness for those people. When you yeah. never have to worry about you, know, you could go to a Lamborghini dealership and not even look at the price tag and buy every car on the lot. You have too much money. You you yeah. don't have to worry about power anymore. Mm-hmm. Right, and you that's just what don't I have feel to like. Anybody, if you don't want to, like, yeah. ever. you never have to look at a person ever again if you don't want to. <laughs> that is, that's, yeah. That's, that's just where crazy. I find the whole new world order thing. I could sit here and I could re- talk to you about what the new world order conspiracy is. That, but that, our listeners a, can go look it up for themselves, or we can turn that into a, because another topic one day. We could turn it into a topic, yes, because I find it completely unbased oh dude but, we i was about to say we you know there are spin. some people out there that'll sit there and be like no i'm wrong and i would gladly hear your arguments but you really have to stop and think about the realistic way to which to do these things or what benefit you gain that's that's yeah. what motivates people you only do things that benefit you or benefit something that you What do you have in. to gain? What do you have to lose? I mean, that's... That may yeah. be our most, our most uh, 
the craziest uh, episode we'd have. Like, there'd be a lot of animosity from a guest. Like, if we have a guest from the opposite standpoint, it, like, I can imagine that that would, that would probably get a little heated. Oh, yeah, I, I definitely could see that. I'm, I'm interested to, at the very <laughs> I, least. I do my best to not get heated, but when I have those conversations, I get heated because it's like, it, I get, I get that you think that, but just take a moment and red team yourself. Like, think on the flip side. Because of you're why you're removing like like logic and in, in too many of the areas, yeah, to make that work. Yeah, and that's just like you're ignoring complete logistical and realistic problems with that idea, and you're just latching on to the idea as a plausibility rather than a realistic capability. And it doesn't even have to be so, uh, from an analytical standpoint. It could just be people that just I mean, absolutely disregard like human nature and histor and just history to back up. Just yeah, basic motivations. People. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. There are conspiracies. Yeah. There are conspiracies that are legit, and they have been proven to be things. But there are thousands of conspiracies, and you'll go and notice that the ones that turned out to be true were significantly smaller in scale than the ones that people try to push as happening. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's, it's funny how some of the bigger ones just don't hold water. Um, I, I know, uh, and I, I'm just going to make fun of this one, but it, and it's, it's a very old one, but Sean, you remember we talked about lizard people <laughs> a long time ago? Yeah. <laughs> I remember I yes. delivered, I delivered to a customer. I'm, I'm, I may have been 19 years old, um, but I was delivering medicine to a customer in an apartment complex and she, yes. so, and I, Look, I'm very nice to, especially if I'm working uh, and I I arrive at your door and here's your medication because I was working for a pharmacy. Um, You know, I'm very nice and cordial. I'll shake my head probably yes to a whole bunch of things because I'm not there to to create conflict. I'm there to receive your payment and then go to the next delivery. Um, And (laughs) so she was always super friendly to me. Well, one day she was like, do you want to come come inside? while I get the payment. I was like, okay, sure. It's not the first time that's happened. But what was the first time it was happened was her convincing me like, we're talking, she put her life on this, that we were lizards, and that the, the, uh, the, the, uh, just the higher party, the president at the time, were all the lizard people, and there were strong evidence, and, and when I say that I, when I presented just the slight bit of opposition to that, and it wasn't even me just saying, you know, you're wrong and crazy, it was just me not shaking my head up and Asking down. It was more of question. it was more of yeah. just me being uncomfortable and kind of like backing away. She was fucking mad, angry yeah. that I didn't believe this. Yeah. And dude, yeah. ever since then, I like I always treated her with just complete caution. I was like, here's your here's your meds. Here, th- thank you for the payment. Bye you gotta bye. look at the bag. What, what <laughs> yeah. are we giving you? Yeah, I was like, yeah, exactly. Like it's like, what lady? the fuck did, did I just you, deliver to you this? that caused this? Um, but no, so yeah, absolutely. There are just these theories that hold no water whatsoever. And I don't know why they're so widely believed or people are swayed so easily to, to think those things, but, and, and you are right there. Are, yeah. And, and you are right, Sean, there are plenty of conspiracies that have been over time just proven true. So it's not to discredit conspiracies because at least they're rooted in the sense that people are trying to think outside the box uh, which is healthy, and that's usually a good thing in the sense that think for yourself, you know, use what you have in front of you to kind of create an educated guess or, or an opinion, um, but just be careful and don't just dismiss logic in some areas. If it doesn't work or it doesn't click together like it's supposed to, it's probably not right, um, or well, at least it requires some more thinking. I wanted to hit click that because on. the flip side was that Ru- that Putin was trying to fight the New World Order, which is how we got onto like conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. But the flip side is that Americans are saying that Biden has only given support to Ukraine because of his son's business dealings with mm-hmm. Ukraine, to which I also find a logistical – or a, not a logistical, but a logical problem of, okay, that's fine. If Biden is pushing for support, how did you convince the rest of the world to support Ukraine yeah. because of your right. uh, Hunter Biden's – or I mean uh, Joe Biden's son – having involvement in Ukraine. How did you convince the US Senate and House of Representatives who agree on nothing nothing to yeah. almost unanimously support aid to this country? Yeah, that's just foolish. Man. That's just people who and, and and don't get me wrong like I'm not I'm not on here saying I'm necessarily a supporter of our like 
uh, which I'm not, I don't think I've had a, at least in my lifetime, necessarily like a, a president that I've been just like, yes, you're doing great. I've really can't, <laughs> I can't think of that in my yeah, lifetime. I don't think we've had one. Um, yeah. So don't, don't get me wrong. It's not, so I'm not necessarily the biggest supporter of like, who you know, who currently is just uh, our president, vice president, what have you. But I think that's completely foolish. And that's just people who don't like who's in charge finding a, a ridiculous reason to just shit on the person uh, or just to, yeah. to just say something negative or bad. I think that's just foolish. And that's, that's stupid, man. That's such a, it's it's a big it would be a big motivation in some areas not on that kind of global scale and not with that many people who are required to agree uh they're not, they're not going to be swayed by those same motivations and certainly other parts of the world and other nations they're not swayed by that at all not thinking about that at all like it's just that's nothing that's nothing burger to them uh so mm-hmm. yeah i think that's foolish and then even if even if you can get them to like let's say for instance even if that was biden's reason for going over there it's like, is the benefit of being there not enough mm-hmm. anyway because of how much is going on? Like, even if, let's say, for instance, he didn't give a fuck. Yeah. It was like, well, my son is making money over there. It's like, there is so much other thing. There are so many other things riding on it. It's like, well, that's what pushed him to do it. He's still doing a positive thing. I don't yeah. care why he yeah. did it because there's still so much that needed to be done over there. Absolutely, yeah. The same arguments made for people who like who like larger players who may donate to certain charities and such. They may have been swayed by a reason that wasn't necessarily like them just wanting to give to this charity to do this certain thing, but that help still went to this particular place, which did lead to this many good things, and it wouldn't have happened Mm -hmm. if that action wasn't taken. So maybe it's not the most wholesome reason to be involved, but it's still good that they're involved. (laughs) <laughs> way more outweighs the personal the, the, the initial most the, yeah, the initial motivations it's just like i mean it's definitely not a it's not a hill that you want to die on in an argument that yeah. that's why the person's yeah. involved it's a pretty silly hill and it's really small um so fine i just find, find something better i guess if you want to make those arguments that's pretty stupid <laughs> but no so well, those those are the conspiracies though sean do you mind if i touch on yeah. something uh uh, right quick, I just want to get y'all's opinion on, and I know yeah, we're absolutely anything you guys want to talk about. So I wrote like a, a paragraph right here about, uh, and granted, this is this might just be too much like stating the obvious, uh, but I'm just curious about y'all's opinions. So the one thing about this war um, that seems to have just pointed things out um, is that we've all seen like relations, uh, relationships like improve um, with other nations, or in some cases uh, maybe not necessarily improve. And I'll I'll get to what I mean by that in just a second. But uh, basically, obviously, there would be a fear from the start and now that relationships with what we recognize as our opposition, so uh, China, Russia, and what have you, um, may have been strengthened initially um, to some degree. And that's just uh, having two parties uh, have reasons to disagree or, or, uh, I guess, go after um, another party they, they don't like, so that being us in this case. Um, basically, due to Russia's performance, which you've mentioned on several times, Sean, and we've talked about how uh, it just didn't go as the way they intended, do either of you believe that the friendly nature that is seen now uh, against like the heads of Russia and China is more encouraged by just the mutual trade benefits they still reap from one another? And do you think their relationship is actually weaker from... I guess a future aspect of working together, because obviously they rely on each other for trade. But do you think because of Russia's, I'm going I'm to use the term weakness. I'm not saying that they're weak, but definitely the perspective or the view of Russia, as far as again we've mentioned, military might has gone down significantly. Yeah, underperformed. Yeah, un- yeah, that that severe underperformance. Do you actually think that it's hurt Russia in the long run with their allies, someone like China, um, who might before this conflict? Uh, have considered if something on a grander scale would have happened, like a larger war conflict, would have been so easily to side with them, now might think maybe not because we've seen how Russia's performed. We see how disorganized they actually are. From a trade partner, you're wonderful, but maybe we're not going to do anything from a strategic and military standpoint to, yeah. yeah. Do you think it's actually made the relationship worse now? Um I'm just curious what y'all's thoughts are on that. I think so. I think because if you, you know, if you're about to go, you know, back to back with somebody and fight against 
world and you feel like you just watch them get beat up by somebody who you didn't think was capable of, you know, doing that, you're definitely going to second guess it. You know, like they definitely still going to benefit from the trade. But, you know, I think, you know, and then uh, the Chinese, I feel, have they're really big on honor. And if they feel like they can't necessarily put their honor in your hands, yeah. you're going to put a black eye on their, you know, on their reputation as a whole. They're not going to cooperate with you. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to be as willing to. They may, just for the simple, you know, fact of, okay, you didn't do as good. We may, with our backing, maybe you can succeed. But I feel like to, you know, as far as if a world war broke out, you know, China backing Russia, I would say that's not as likely. Not as likely. Not as likely. At, at the very I, least, I, something has been strengthened. Like the reason for it. I would I feel... Excuse me. I feel like when you look at it, they have no choice. And China think- has no choice but to back Russia. Just like North Korea has no choice but to back Russia and China. Iran has no choice but to back Russia and China. Because they understand that alone they do not stand to oppose a coalition mm-hmm. of allies. And I gotcha. so if there were to be a World War Three, maybe not Iran directly involved, but I would not be surprised if the three Asian nations, North Korea, China, and Russia, all formed basically like the Axis, while NATO and other smaller nations would be the allies. took on the role of the allies, yes, I would not be surprised there. So basically, you just think due to circumstance, proximity, and current trade and reliance, due to trade and the the economics, how much their their export import are intertwined. China gets a lot of uh, energy resources from Russia, just sheer proximity. Same with North Korea. China, North Korea, and Russia all have severe sanctions placed on them by the rest of the world, so they don't they don't have the capability to trade with the rest of the world the same way that non or nations that have more favorable standing do. So basically, you know, if you're not in a good place and are there avenues one of your, one of your allies are in jeopardy. Are there avenues of you, trade, by the way, that we close off to nations uh, like China that you know off the top of your your head? And what, I bring that up only because would could a motivating factor of China basically maybe wanting to back away from a little bit of that reliance, basically saying that hey, we'll cut trade with uh, whatever whatever uh, item, we'll cut trade with Russia on these particular things if you replace. We- what we're about to remove and to build that road, that route with you. Do you think growing reliance on other very, countries? Yeah. We have very minimal sanctions on China, but there are still sanctions on China for things over like Taiwan and other things that mm-hmm. they do, like uh, their treatment of the Uyghur people, which are uh, Chinese Muslims. Mm-hmm. Um, we have small sanctions placed on them for those things. But the thing about China is Russia can't exist as a nation without the economic assistance. Yeah. China is a world producer. Other economies exist because, because China, China exports so heavily. Gotcha. They have such a focus on industry and manufacturing, which is one of the reasons why U.S. politicians want to promote more independence from Chinese manufacturing, because they could theoretically hold us hostage without some of the medication and vehicle parts, Mm -hmm. other things that are just manufactured in their country. A lot of countries are voluntarily leaving China, like Apple is closing their Apple factories and moving to India and other uh, Pacific Islander nations Mm -hmm. just because of uh, other problems that they have. So theoretically... But I... I, they're so they're so needed by each other mm-hmm. because of the situation the rest of the world has put them in, which probably also leads to some of their animosity towards uh, what is perceived as the West. So you don't feel that, that theoretically, if Russia does come away with a complete L from this, that it weakens their stance with any, with their allies really in any way? Like if they don't take any W's at all, 
and they've it's been shown that their their demonstration throughout oh, no, this conflict. Oh no, if if you remember, I said I said earlier that I don't see any scenario without actually losing, mm-hmm. which if they lose and nuclear weapons are not, I I feel like Russia collapses into a variety of states. Gotcha. Um, similar mm-hmm. to how the Soviet Union collapsed, I think it'll be a a part two of the Soviet Union collapse. Russia is not walking away with an L. Russia will escalate this until this becomes a everybody on the planet's problem. Mm-hmm. I feel. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. Was you, yeah. Like they're they're that's the that's personality of Putin. He'll do that. Well, uh, yeah. Anthony, didn't you uh, want to bring in? Uh, you were interested in the economical aspect uh, of what was going on. Uh, you said you uh, had looked into a little bit of that and numbers. Um, did you want to touch yeah. on that before we come to a close? Uh, I can, and it kind of ties in, you know, what uh, Sean was talking about earlier, with how much we had spent in uh, in Ukraine, mm-hmm. and you know, it was estimated that you know, it, again, uh, seventy five billion is not necessarily seventy five billion dollars worth of just sending money over there. You know, it was uh, if you split it up, two points or twenty six point four billion was financial. So, you know, actually sending money over $3.9 billion for... was humanity. Oh, let me Sorry, see. I'm not going to cut you off, but for but reference, the, the current amount in total, I just had it pulled up a minute ago and I took it down. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, it was sitting on the screen, so anybody watching the... Uh, uh, like watching the actual live version of the podcast. Yeah, anybody watching the live version on YouTube would see what I had put up. But mm-hmm. the, yeah. Okay, so I, I was close. Directed more than $75 billion in assistance. Now, mm-hmm. the breakdown here is $3.9 billion humanitarian. That's, yeah, that's cash money yeah, yeah. that mm-hmm. we sent to things. Financial is $26.4 billion. So the grand yeah, you total must be looking like, the same thing I'm looking at. Yeah. yeah. CFR.org? Uh, yep. Yeah. Yep. So carry on, please. Oh, yeah. I'll leave that no, chart there for, as a as an aid for them. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, three or three point nine billion was uh, humanitarian, uh, emergency food assistance, healthcare, refugee support. Uh, Twenty six point four billion was the financial for economic uh, support, loans, other financial support. And then forty six point six billion was total military assistance. So, gotcha. you know, that came in the, you know, like you said earlier, that came in the form of not just uh, money, but, you know, giving uh, equipment up. Because we. Yeah, that, that's the dollar to... value of the equipment we've given. Yeah. Right. That was a 23.5 billion was, uh, I think, what was valued for the weapons, like for the weapon stock and everything. Uh, grants and loans for weapons and equipment was included in that. That was 4.7 billion. Uh, security assistance, infantry, infantrymen in arms, uh, artillery, you know, that's where that breakdown comes uh, comes in. So, yeah, there's, you know, like you said, a lot of that money did seem like it just seemed like they, they wanted to make it look like we just gave them 76 point, you know, 76 point something million, billion dollars in just money. Yeah. And it's like, you know, there's, I've seen, you know, with my own eyes, it, like warehouses full of their equipment not being used mm-hmm. sitting there the things that we've had jets that you know at training squadrons that had you know like tarp and you know like barrier paper taped to them to keep the you know water from intruding because they just parted it out and had it sitting there mm-hmm. when you know they still had things that could have made it operable so we've had we, there's a surplus of things that we have that we didn't be we're not necessarily using especially now Mm-hmm. that you know sending it over there didn't necessarily hurt our pockets i do agree like there was a lot you know the u.s does spend a lot of money in other places in the in the world However, when there could be more money spent here but it's it's understandable where a lot think, of it's going i think that one of the interesting things is if you scroll down far enough i scrolled down so you could see it right here you probably can't yeah. read it screen's probably really small but so we've donated uh, military assistance to the tune of forty-six point six billion, and we've donated twenty-six point four billion. Us alone. Mm-hmm. 
the European Union, which is a collaboration of much smaller nations than us, the United Kingdom, uh, I don't think, I don't know why they're not tied into EU institutions. I'm assuming that's just like collateral from other things. But mm-hmm. if you add up the money that Europe has given, they've actually given more money than we have, but significantly less military assistance, which makes sense given because our military we have power. the military power. That's they our shit. Have a, yeah. That's a higher vested interest yeah. in giving yeah. the financial assistance. Mm-hmm. While we do match pretty much what they've given, it's worth noting that we're not the sole providers here. Yeah, right. Which is good. We are providing the money, but also other countries are too. Mm -hmm. Now, we do have a higher humanitarian spending than everybody else put together, but we also have systems in place for... We go to war with somebody and we rebuild them. Like, Mm -hmm. that's just how our doctrine is. So we have humanitarian systems in place. The better half of Europe hasn't been to war since World War II with the exception of helping us in Iraq and Afghanistan. Yeah. We've been actively using this system's knowledge and training for two decades. These people have not fought this type of conflict in 80 years. Yeah. Um yeah. No, that's uh, I was I was excited to get that breakdown though. It's kind of crazy just the, but I mean it it needs to be broken down like that because Anyone else just coming in, especially if they're on the view of America stay out, I mean, they see just these endless amount of dollars leaving when it could be fuel. You know, they think, oh, man, that's the exact amount of money that did not go into our own economy, that did not help us. Because, you know, obviously it's not been the easiest over these last few years. I think we all can agree uh, on that. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I, don't, I don't see why we wouldn't. Uh, but it's important to put that in perspective because it's not necessarily money just being thrown at a problem. It's it's things that, like like you said, Anthony, you've seen firsthand that we do have a surplus of um, and that it's possible that we may not have even used it. Maybe we're using it for certain practices and drills and we have some ways for creative like decommissions and such um, when maybe those same resources, which are valued, obviously, but could be used uh, in this conflict as opposed to throwing money at a problem. Interestingly enough, I have another chart here for display for, you know, the YouTube channel, but it's by share of GDP. So it takes the uh, total gross domestic product of a nation Mm -hmm. uh, in comparison to the resources they're providing. The United States is in fifth place of all countries providing uh, combined financial Well, I at least would expect this to be like in top three. Right. Uh, ironically, Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania, the three small NATO members that I would not have imagined that we would go to bat as hard for as places like Poland, are the top three, followed wow. by Poland, followed by us, Bulgaria, Norway, United Kingdom, Canada, the Czech Republic, Slovakia, Portugal, Denmark, European, uh, small yeah, European institutions, have... Germany, Netherlands, etc. Yeah, yeah, I definitely wouldn't have un- until you had said that thought so basically that, what that means really is were on the list. to bring it down is by share of gdp you know you, that puts it into a scale like mm-hmm. so obviously uh, like we haven't even given a half of a percent of our annual gdp so to break that into perspective is if the three of us have a hundred dollars mm-hmm. we all have the same gdp Let's say that Anthony has $2,500. Let's say I have $1,000. Let's say you have $10,000. I don't know. Okay, so if you give $250, you have $10,000. So now you've got $9,000, whatever the fuck math is. I was about to say, Sean, you know know you're not the strongest gives (laughs) Anthony gives $2,500, which is half of the money he had, and I give... Seven hundred dollars. I'm a stingy fuck. You, I don't. I, yeah, I don't know. Technically, Anthony has given the most. Yes. But I have given a higher amount of what I had. What well, you actually had. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't remember what what amount of money I said I and, had. And me. And me. Is, I'm like taking the spare. Yeah. And me. I'm like taking the spare change and be well, like, here you well, go. Well, no. That. Well, that's that's mm-hmm. the same thing. Like basically, you're you're the United States in that point. Like you've given a percentage, like. Your amount could be bigger. Like the amount mm-hmm. of money you have could be bigger. I guess that's kind of like too small of a number to really explain it. But 
The idea no, I, I, is I like, that's your percentage that you've given because all the money we've given, we haven't even given a, a, a 0.5 of a percent of our GDP. Yeah. But we've still given billions of dollars. Gotcha. The mm. annual GDP of Estonia is probably not even a fucking 15th of Britain, mm -hmm. you know, and Britain has a similar GDP to us. So it's just a perspective that they're giving large amounts. They might not be the same dollar wise, mm -hmm. but they're still substantial in their own metric rather than comparing them tit for tat yeah. by comparing them based on what they're capable of giving. Gotcha. Right. Um, I know, uh, I know we've had, uh, obviously this episodes, I think we're at like two hours and 20 minutes or something like that. So it's, it's a long episode, yeah. but, um, there is one thing, one last thing I would like to touch on because we glossed over it and it was actually something I expected us to not necessarily gloss over given the power in perspective. And that was war crimes. Obviously, we've already mentioned them and we mm -hmm. talked about a couple of them. But Anthony, so uh, for a discussion that we had you know, separate to this podcast, you had made the comparison um, when it comes to war crimes. I think this is a very interesting one because I think it's incredibly relatable. But though war crimes, by definition, might say a certain thing, they aren't necessarily created equal. Um, and right. it's important to note that in any major conflict, we have all pretty much been guilty of war crimes. I don't have an example in front of me of a country not committing a war crime um, during Hopefully a state a of war. That's never been to war. Yeah. yeah, I guess never been to war. But when you when you're in that situation and those opportunities are there. Um, some are, are, I mean, are committed, and it's been expressed that both Ukraine and Russia have committed war crimes. But it's important to put in perspective the degree of those of those crimes, and some that might just be a circumstance of the situation um, that was uh, maybe uncontrollable, um, and then some being deliberate choices uh, that were made in advance. Which, Sean, what was what was the war crime that you said Russia had? Uh, and because I'm not trying to obviously paint the something they did. Of? Yes. Can the one you go they a little more detail? Confirmed through overwhelming evidence from the ICC is that they have been basically exporting children from the war-torn region uh, to their own nation, registering them as Russian citizens, and then basically putting them out into the Russian population through Russian For adoption, um, fostering 16, and adoptions. Yes. So basically, they're basically they're stealing orphans and children, and um, what's the word? Not indoctrinating, um, not inducing. Uh, they're they're just bringing them into their own population as if they were citizens, like they forcing, never yeah, forcing citizenship. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just reverse deporting. Big fancy multi-syllable word for that, but I can't. And, I can't think of what the multi-syllable word is I'm thinking of. And as, and as far as Ukraine's war crimes, can you go into a quick little um, example of, of ones they have been, uh, whether alleged or otherwise, uh, mentioned um, to have committed? Well, there's a long list of alleged Russian war crimes, but oh, I'm sure. and I mean I've I've seen I've seen videos that I I could pretty confirm I I I I could pretty much say definitively that both sides are guilty of for war for the crimes. sake of I mean, legal. Nobody, we're going to say allegedly. I, I feel like they just don't have a way to persecute right now. I'm pretty sure once the dust settles from this conflict... It usually happens with, with most up, major but, war conflicts, yeah. But, you know, um, I've seen videos of Russians and Ukrainians shooting medics of the opposing side. Uh, I've seen prisoner of war executions for both sides. Both of those are against the Geneva Convention. They're both war crimes. Um, I've seen both nations use small-scale chemical weapons like tear gas grenades or other things like that which used by uh government law enforcement is not considered a war crime in the sense of quelling protests and things but using that in a combat environment does necessitate it as a war crime no um i've seen like russians use tear gas in like uh, basically, like bunkers or things to like force them out, and mm -hmm. then when they come out, they'll sh they'll be shot, things like that. Um, Ukraine's done similar things. There's like a weird gray area on using certain types of munitions. Uh, certain munitions are allowed if you are using them 
at an infantry level, but if they were to be utilized from an air system or a land system, they're war crimes, one of which uh, being most popularly uh, phosphorus or thermite mm -hmm. is considered a war crime in a lot of aspects. But if uh, those are used from an infantry perspective, they are not classified as war crimes in the same way that they are if they're used from a missile or a bomb. So they've been using, like, I'm pretty sure Molotov cocktails are war crimes. Also, and... for, for record, I'm pretty sure that they are. And there was mass videos. Oh, we have people, yeah, making just Molotov making cocktails. and giving them everybody. No, it's in yeah. like, so like, I mean, you, you know, there's undeniable, I feel like there's undeniable evidence that war crimes are being committed by both sides here. It's just, I don't think that yeah. you can really argue that. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and the reason why I just wanted to touch on that just before we had put everything, you know, wrapped everything up is just because it's uh, just to put it into perspective and, uh, mentioning about you know one's not equal to the other uh the comparison was was brought up as knowing someone who may have smoked weed and knowing someone who may have done like a harsher drug say crystal meth something like that um right. if anyone who who knows anyone like that in their life you can sit back and say that yes on a technical level this depends on what state you're in as well um because for where we are we'd still for the most part illegal um so it's it's one of those things that you can approach uh, because of having that kind of relationship with that substance, not necessarily using, but just knowing someone. Uh, you would approach those two individuals differently. Someone who mm -hmm. may have smoked a little bit of weed, um, you know, uh, at least from my personal view, I'd be like, hey, man, what's up? Like, I, I'm not going to treat you any different. As opposed to the guy um, smoking the yeah, 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 yeah. And then that's different. I, I'm going to be like. Catalytic converter while you're yeah, yeah. there. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna treat these things very differently, even though on a definition level, they might be treated the same from from that perspective. But I'm not going to treat them that way because mm -hmm. they aren't the same thing, uh, and right. that's the same way to to go about uh, on these war crimes. Because it's easy to say that you know these things shouldn't be committed, and Sean's very much right. After this conflict does end, those things will undergo uh, their own investigations, and people will be have to be. Um, held accountable to a certain extent based on whatever is proven um, in any major war and uh, in, whether it's world wars or, or, or what have you, war crimes are, a, I'm sure some are just completely overlooked, uh, but plenty have been investigated and um, as a result of which uh, that can affect uh, a nation at its, well, its nation level. Um, whether or not that is what happens here it, it is, you know, is to be discovered when this conflict uh, hopefully, and I think all of us can agree on the podcast, we hope for it to end uh, in a manner that doesn't result into anything greater um, and is, I'm going to use the term peaceful, but enough has happened to where I can't definitively or, you know, say that it would be a peaceful resolution, but one that just doesn't result in anything greater. So we, we do hope it does come to uh, to an end in, in, those, in that regard. Um, because Ukraine, obviously, it's been uh, have struggled long enough uh, and been subjected to something that we all agree wish was avoided in the first place. But it is here. It has happened. It is ongoing. Uh, please, everyone, you know, um, with the subject matter that's involved, treat everybody with uh, respect. Especially if you're if this if the comment section is allowed or what have you. You know, just understand the sensitivities of the subject. But hopefully, this helped broaden some perspective. On the subject at hand, we gave you our opinions on it. Um, I doubt this is the last time we'll uh, visit this topic. Um, and we're going to go ahead and start looking at potential guests because this is going to be a two-parter, um, but it can easily be a part three, a part four. Uh, it's just one of those things of finding those who would like to speak on it and have something um, that they would like to add, which would help add to your own perspective as well. Uh, but if everyone's okay with it in the podcast, we'll go ahead and come to a close. Yeah, no, I think I'm pretty good. Um, I would just like to remind everybody, if they want to do their own research, go look up understandingwar.org. The Institute of Study of War is a pretty good place. PBS, uh, you know, a lot of people give them shit. Uh, as many news outlets as I watch the same story on over and over and over again, I think PBS is probably one of the best non-biased and honest accounting news sources that you can go to. As far as American news is, mm -hmm. I watch a lot of foreign news, too. Um, and then I'm also going to plug, if you want to look at more what you don't see, 
without it being too graphic and still somewhat safe for, you know, people of... Scar you. Yeah. It's not going to scar you as much. I, I, I would definitely check out Funker 530. They're a YouTube channel that I used to watch. I mean, I still do watch them, but they, uh, they show a lot of the things that I've, I've talked about earlier, and they'll censor it in a lot of videos, so it's not as jarring, but you can see a much heavier reality of war. Mm-hmm. Their purpose is to document and reveal like the harsh nature and how awful war really is rather than glorify it like we do in TVs and movies, and I can appreciate that mission. And so, you know, not sponsored, but I'm going to shout them out because they are a pretty good resource that I, I watch frequently. They give little write-ups. Uh, they're all ex-military, they so they have pretty good commentary and, like, explanations of what you're seeing and things like that. So those are some we'll three pretty key resources for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll link them in the description, so. Appreciate it. Anthony, anything you want to add uh, before we come to a close? Uh... Not really. As always, much love. There's always, you know, it's always fun talking to you guys. You know, we get a lot mm-hmm. more insight, you know, hearing things from different perspectives, you know, in a respectful manner. It's, you know, it was a long one, but it was a good one nonetheless. Well, good, good. And I mean, honestly, like just saying much love couldn't be like uh, more relevant in, in this case, especially with the subject matter and the tensions and the conflict. Uh, that is going on, you know, show respect, show love uh, to what is going on. Be respectful. Uh, and we do appreciate everyone uh, coming in for a listen, or if you're watching this podcast, we appreciate that as well. Uh, and we hope this helped in some small way. And uh, like to echo, you, uh, echo what you said, Anthony, always great talking to you guys. Thank you yeah, all so yeah, much. Always and good conversation. I look right. forward to seeing where we get to next time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Mila's been napping this whole time, and she hasn't woken <laughs> up. And I'm like, we're about to come out of the room now, little one. It's time to wake up. <laughs> All right, fellas. Well, it was fantastic as always, and I'll catch you all on the next one.